Hey, this is Chris. Hope you're doing well. And welcome back to Popcorn Finance, the show where we discuss finance and about the time it takes to make a bag of popcorn. Today, we're going to pop into part two of my conversation with Kate Flanders, the author of one of my favorite books of 2018, The Year of Less. If you're just joining us for the first time, you may want to go back, check out part one first. I mean, I'm sure you can figure out what's going on, but uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think you'll enjoy it a lot more if you start from the beginning. So take a pause here, go back, check out part one, and then just jump back in over here to part two. Other than that, I don't have a whole lot else to say. <laughs> I was just going to let us jump into the episode. You know, if you want to catch up with me, if you want to send me a message or get in contact with me, the best way to do so is over on Instagram. That's where I've been spending a lot of my time. Just search for Popcorn Finance Podcast and you'll find me over there. And if you like leaving voicemails, if you like sending voice messages, as always, I have a link in the show notes to send me a voicemail. So if you want to have your voice on the show, ask a question or just say hi, feel free to go over there and do that. Love to hear from you. So with that, let's jump into part two of my conversation with Kate Flanders. There, there are all these other influences in our lives that kind of feed into, you know, how we act, how we react and how we handle different situations. And there's a, another quote in your book uh, where you're, you're talking specifically about, you know, how your friends reacted to the fact that you were going to, you know, really limit your spending for a year. He said, I didn't think anyone would care that I quit shopping, but I also never got mad at my friends when they started making comments that expressed otherwise because I knew the truth, which was that I had left them, too. It's funny how, you know, this is another example of how money is intertwined in different ways. It's not just about, you know, how, you know, our budget is impacted, but also how we relate to other people in our lives through spending money, you know, going out, whether shopping or eating together, all these things that we do that end up costing money. But you you don't, I, I guess I was surprised too, because I didn't really think about that until I read this, that, you know, if the way I change my budget, the way I change my spending could trickle out into these other aspects of my life and how I relate and interact with other people. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because my first example of really experiencing that is obviously um, when I quit drinking. So I stopped drinking when I was 27. And you very quickly realize that a lot of your friendships are going to change when you do something like that. Like not even just because I was drinking often, but because drinking is so culturally normal. Mm. So then you're like literally the only sober person in the room. <laughs> um, but then... In, in lots of changes I've made, like in switching to a vegetarian diet, it, it does like you're slightly the odd one out. Like there's a lot of people who are vegetarians, but the the majority I would say are still meat eaters. Yeah. So that comes up and stuff. But in the shopping, I really just didn't think anyone would care until I realized like how many conversations we have about shopping. So it wasn't just like people wanting me to shop with them. Like that came up a couple of times, but it was more that I finally was able to pay attention and like from an, an outside perspective, see how often we're saying things to each other like, hey, where'd you get that pair of shoes? Or, oh my gosh, this store has like 50% off everything right now. We should go or whatever. Like we're just even like how we're influencing each other on social media by sharing pictures of our homes, right? Like we're, I never realized how often that kind of stuff came up until I had nothing to say. <laughs> And then I really realized like, oh, it's so normal. Like, and I keep noticing it this year, especially I've been noticing it a lot at like different events I go to where there's like a sales pitch as part of it. Like I went to this, um, it was kind of pitched as like a wellness creativity retreat or something. And every single morning we were told about the gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> right. And for starters, a book, a gift shop shouldn't even exist at a place like this, in my opinion. Right. I, I guess I 
kind of get why it's there, but also like let it just be there and don't pitch it. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's wild. And I, like now I think you'll notice it even more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's people are always trying to sell something to you for one. <laughs> you, see, you see a lot of that around and yeah, you know, I don't, I don't drink as well. And it is mm. very weird sometimes going out and hanging out with people because then you have to deal with all the questions of why don't you drink? And you know, what's going on? Tell me your story of why you don't drink. And it's like, well, I don't mm-hmm. really want to get into that, but I guess <laughs> you know, it's one of those yeah. things. Well, it's just, always like, oh, it has to be a story. Like there yeah. must be some drama or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, or I could just wake up and be like, I'm not going to do that anymore, but sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think they're, they're waiting for some, for some really interesting story that they can go tell someone else about why you don't yeah, drink. <laughs> yes, totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I feel you on that one. <laughs> oh gosh. And another thing I, I really liked about your book because I love like stats and numbers and percentages and graphs and all these things. And I I loved how you went and counted everything you had. And in the book, as you progressed, you were showing the percentage of things that you had gotten rid of. And Mm. I found that like really interesting because I was like, oh, this is so cool. You kind of see the progress of like, oh, it's this percent this month and is this percent the next month. And, you know, I want to know, is that always something you've gravitated towards is like just being into numbers and like liking to look at these percentages or was just specifically because you wanted to see your progress? Oh, that's a great question. I I think my dad would would hope that I would say that I've always cared about numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, I think um, you know, I think partially I just have budgeting to thank for that. Like budgeting and, you know, not feeling like my numbers were in alignment with what I wanted them to be is the reason I decided to do this challenge to begin with. And so I think that you know, after a few years of budgeting and just really knowing those numbers, I just kind of became curious. It also, that wasn't a plan um, right up front. It was more like in the first month when I could see how much I was getting rid of right off the bat. Mm. I was just like, this is going to be interesting. I should just like keep like track some numbers. And it was so messy. Like someone asked me if I had this like amazing spreadsheet or something like that. I was like, no, no. Like I literally had scraps of paper that I would write (laughs) down like as I was going, right? Like, it's just like, no, I've, I've gotten rid of this many and I'm keeping this many. Okay. And then like by the end of it, I would just compile them and put them into a blog post. (laughs) So (laughs) I created a spreadsheet for a blog post, but (laughs) I didn't do that like for myself. And I don't do that anymore. Like I have no idea what I own now or like how much I own now. I was going to ask you that next if you're, if you're still keeping that up because it does seem like that's a lot of work to actually go oh. through and track everything. Yeah, I can't even imagine doing that. Although I will say like uh, I'm moving right now. So I'm for the first time in a while, like you pick up all your things and hold them again and put them in boxes and you like learn stuff about yourself. Like I, I feel actually completely fine with how much I own. I'm only donating a very small like U-Haul box, like the teeny smallest one that they have. That means like whatever I've got, I I seem to be pretty happy with, but I have, I am someone who I have like 12 or 14 mugs <laughs> and that, that might seem like a lot, but oddly, like for how much coffee and tea I drink, I like, I go through that in a week, no problem. And so I'm someone who, because I have access to a dishwasher, like when I grew up, we didn't have one, but now that I do, I use my dishwasher all the time. But well, like I should say like once a week. But so when my dishwasher is full, then it's because I'm out of mugs. <laughs> uh. you know, my, my, my parents, I always make fun of them because they never get rid of any piece, like any 
cup, any mug, any plate. Mm-hmm. There, there are four people living in their house right now, and mm-hmm. they have enough like flatware and <laughs> mugs to have like fifty people in their house. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, there's mugs in the back that you've never even touched. You just pull the same like five or six from the front, and you never, <laughs> you never even get to the ones in the back. So I, I'm, I'm imagining that your cupboard looks like theirs with mugs right now. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> So funny. So I'm like, I would say it's not super cluttered, but of of everything I own, that's probably the thing I own the most of, which is kind of hysterical. <laughs> I, I guess it's not bad if it's just one thing. I guess the problem is if you own that many of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when, yeah. <laughs> that's when it becomes a problem. <laughs> One thing I've been thinking about a lot lately, and uh, it was something that I, I read in your book as well. And I'll just I'll just read the quote here. It says, the truth uh, I was learning was that we couldn't actually discover what we need until we live without it. And I think that was really that's really powerful because it's one of those things where you have to give yourself time to think about the things you have in your life. And I think for most of us, we, we just live busy lives. We go to work. We, you know, we do whatever we, we need to do. We run errands and you don't, we don't give ourselves enough time to really think about what's going on in our lives, what, what we really care about, why we do the things we do. And I thought that was like really interesting about uh, that you learned by giving up so much, by giving up so many items and giving up uh, buying so many things that it really gave you an opportunity to, to think about your habits and the things you own and the things you do and if you really need them in your life at all. And like how long into the process did you even, you know, think about this or did this like thought come up? I mean, it probably took about seven or eight months for me to have that thought. And it was because like I talk about in the book, um, I found out my parents were getting divorced and growing up in a family where we did not see that coming. Like we were blindsided by it. I think it was, obviously a really emotional time then, which then sort of prompted that thought. But if I even just can say where I'm at with it now with that quote, you know, there's two parts of it. One is that it really taught me and is something I hold on to still to only buy things when I feel a real need for it. So it means I have to have like felt uncomfortable living without it. Mm. It can be things like when my rain jacket eventually wears out, which it will because that's a thing that happens in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> um, you know, when when my sweater starts getting wet underneath, okay, well, then I will go get a new rain jacket. When you live in a new place for the first time, like don't buy everything up front that you like think you're going to need. Really live in the place and actually figure out out what you need like you will feel it every home has like these quirks about them that you sometimes need to buy a thing for and that's that's going to be different everywhere so don't just like go out and buy all these things you think you need live in it like Mm. and and like be okay with not having everything right up front I didn't have a couch for the first three months that I lived here (laughs) and it's just to show like I I mean it would have been a lot more comfortable but (laughs) I didn't need it. Like it wasn't this essential thing that had to be in my life. And then the other part, like to take it further is that there are a lot of people who only ever live this way. Like they can only ever afford to live that way. They can only buy things kind of as they need them. And even then they can't always afford it. And so I think the whole experiment, even though I, you could only take it to so many depths in one book, but that has come up for me even more so like the whole minimalism movement, all this stuff. Like I really look at it as there's just a lot of, a lot of different angles with it that, 
that like we can't give answers for everyone, but I think it like showed me that there are ways so many other people are living and to like really get out of my own head and my own world and just see what, like uh, what else is going on in this world. Yeah, that's true because there's so many different situations going on out there. And I think this, I don't know if it's just something we're taught growing up, like just to be prepared and you need to get these things because, you know, you never know if you might need them. And you don't, I know I heard that a lot, you know, you know, you may may not want to get rid of that because you may need that later. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, we never really, I think, take the time to think about if we need it or not. It's just, you should have it because you never know what's going to happen or you should get extra because what if you run out and you don't have an opportunity to get more. And uh, I, I really, I really liked that. Uh, it was towards the end of your book where you're talking about, you actually knew how much of like soap or shampoo you were using because you were just you were down to a point where you were just getting what you needed instead of just buying everything in bulk up front just because you could or it was on sale. Totally. And it sounds so ridiculous that maybe I know that stuff. Like <laughs> I was like by the end of that the second year I knew like, okay, so I go through I can't remember what it was, five or six sticks of deodorant in a year or something. And, and that sounds so silly to know that, but at the same time, it really helps me never buy just because something's on sale, like where you're stocking up and stuff like that. Also, because I learned a lot about sales and how cyclical they are. Like mm-hmm. a, a lot of times we see sales prices again within 45 days, but they say it's 30 to 90. So yeah, I just learned a lot in general sort of of how, how like what kind of consumer I really am to cover all my basic needs. And yeah. That's what I loved about your book was that it made you think and kind of get to know yourself personally. You know, we got to know you through the book, but then also makes you think about yourself and, you know, learn more about your habits and what you do and why you do it. It just kind of it just makes you think, which I think is always a sign of a good book when you're like you're thinking about it afterwards. It kind of keeps your mind going. And so, it's OK, I really appreciate you, you coming on. And, um, you know, please, please, if you let everyone know where they can connect with you and learn more and maybe find out where they can get the book and so that way they can have an opportunity to kind of think about what they have going on in their lives. Yeah, well, I'd say the number one place I hang out is on Instagram. So just at Kate Flanders and Kate is spelled C-A-I-T. And uh, yeah, I mean, I have a website. I don't hang out there much anymore, <laughs> but I do have one. So. <laughs> and I will say when you follow Kate on Instagram, it's going to make you want to go to Canada because there's some amazing <laughs> pictures in there. I'm like, wow, I don't when I look out the window, I don't see that. So I need to I need to take a trip up there. <laughs> it is a beautiful place. <laughs> Well, thank you, Kate. I really appreciate you coming on and talking with me and um, yeah, letting me to kind of, I guess, relive my reading of this book again, because I really enjoyed it. It was nice to kind of go back to my notes again and uh, kind of think about all the things I, I really enjoy while reading it. Well, thank you so much. This was a great conversation. Thank you. Appreciate you joining me. And um, I'll be following along and uh, looking forward to whatever new things you have coming out. Awesome. Yeah, boy, keep it popping like Mary Poppins.